Welcome to the Pet Loss Companion. I'm Ken Dolan Del Vecchio. I'm here with my friend and co-author, Nancy Saxton Lopez. And this is a program that we do live on Facebook and YouTube every Thursday from 6 p.m. Eastern to about 6.30, give or take. And it is an opportunity to share with you some of the, the, the thoughts and recommendations that are based really in work that we've been doing for a very long time and are an outgrowth of a book that we wrote mm -hmm. that's called The Pat Loss Companion, Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pat Loss Groups. This medium that we have now allows us to extend our reach and to dialogue with you closer to real time. And we very much like to do that. We do a mm -hmm. lot of sharing of your stories and then discussing them and giving our reactions to them. So if you'd like to send us a story or you'd like to recommend a topic or you'd like to recommend mm -hmm. a guest, please do so. And you can reach me at kenddv at gmail.com. And you can reach Nancy at n-s-a-x-t-o-n-l-o-p-e-z at csmpc.com. And if I read that really fast, Please know that all of the information I'm sharing as we start is also in the description that is below the either the video cast or the podcast, however you may access this program. If you do write to us and you tell us a story, let us know if it's okay to share it because we may very well do that if you will allow us to. And if if you don't want us to share it, and we certainly understand that, or you don't want us to share pieces of it, we understand that as well. We will try to get back to you and send an email in any case, but we are we can't promise that we will, but we will do our best. We will do our best, really. In any case. You can support our work in a variety of ways through Venmo, PayPal, monthly subscription. Again, all of that's in the program description. We'd like you to know that this program is a friend of Dakin Humane Society in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more on Dakin, and it's a great, it's a great program with many different, many different kinds of resources that are available. You can learn more at DakinHumane.org. That's D-A-K-I-N-H-U-M-A-N-E.org. And one of the programs that they offer is a cost-free pet loss support group that I mm -hmm. facilitate once a month. It is usually on the second Tuesday of the month, and it runs 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. There is no cost. I repeat, there is no cost. You just need to go to Dayton and sign up, and you'll get the RSVP link. And again, the, the link is in the the link to get to the to get to the RSVP link is in the program description. The next group is on May 9th. So it's coming right up. And it again runs 6 p.m. to 7.30. We have people join from all over the English speaking world. So if it will be of use to you, please consider joining. Also, please consider pressing the subscribe button on YouTube if you find this program valuable because the more that the more YouTube subscriptions we receive, the more this the higher on the list of of resources this program shows up when people are looking for support for pet loss. So if you could do that for us and for those who may benefit from listening to the program or watching it, that would be great. And again, the link for going to YouTube, if you're not watching on YouTube, is in the description. So Nancy? 
Um, yes. Um, Ken and I were talking. It's been a little bit of a hectic day. I had had three pet loss crises with people today. So if I'm a little disjointed, I don't mean to be. Um, but um, we do have two stories. Uh, one is fairly long. So what parts of it I'm going to try to summarize um, because it's a death of two beloved dogs. Um, and she does have a lot of questions. She has a lot the of questions. They're all great. They're all great questions and probably mm -hmm. questions that a lot of people have. And her name is Marie France, and she's from Quebec, Canada. Um, so I'm going to start. Um, I And she starts. I want to thank you for your podcast. My therapist recommended your book to me in June 2020 when my dog Packen, I think that's how that's pronounced, a Boston Terrier, my first dog, my first baby, my great love, died at 13 years and 10 months. Your book really helped me at the time, but what helped me even more to overcome my pain was the pres presence of faith, a Labrador mix adopted from a shelter in 2010. The most beautiful of dogs, a joy of living, a real light of softness. Lately, I've been immersed in your podcast again since I had to consider the worst thing for me to have to let faith go, which I had to resign myself to doing the day before yesterday, Wednesday, March 15th. So it's with a broken heart that I write to you today. Will allow myself to write you this very long story. Ask my questions. You can share my email whole or part if you consider it relevant, which all of it is, by the way. Oh, what a beautiful, what a beautiful thing. Yes, yeah, so that's faith. That's and this is Oh, such great babies. As I said, I adopted Packet in 2006 from a breeder. I obviously never regretted having adopted Packet, but I often wondered if his many health problems were not due to the fact that he came from a line that was a bit too artificial. And I wondered if adopting from a breeder was a good thing. And we all know about inbreeding, unfortunately, with some breeders. At any event, I loved him the minute I held him in my arms for the first time. I've never had human children, but I know how a woman who has just given birth feels. I hadn't, and I don't know that, but I had no idea such love was possible. My parents never uh, had never wanted a dog in the house, so I often joke that I had waited 25 years for him, and I liked him as such. My whole life uh, revolved around him, his needs, his comforts, and unfortunately, his health problems. Thank goodness, after a few bad experiences, I was lucky enough to meet a vet who would eventually not only give me the answers, but not make me feel like a wallet, above all. Always gave me the, like she felt. She she says, by the way, that she doesn't have a, a great feel for the English language because she speaks French. So I'm going to try not to, um, I'm going to try to get through some of those sentences that are a, a little off. Um, always gave me the feeling that she put my dogs in their comfort first and had a sincere concern for their well-being. So even though Packin was in poor health, he enjoyed life. I bought the house that, in my opinion, would best suit his needs, what we do, open space so I could throw the ball to him on the biggest indoor playground possible with a courtyard and next to a bike path for walks. With a house and a yard, the logical next step was to give him a little brother or sister 
And that's when I came across the site of a shelter that was looking for a forever home for a dog from a community in the far north of Quebec near James Bay. They estimated she was around one, one and a half. She had obviously had a difficult journey. She had an eye gouged, gouged out and an ear cut open. She had been found by a good Samaritan who had put her on a plane to Montreal and the shelter where she was treated. The shelter had named her Faith, a name that would prove to be so on point for her upliving personality, and mentioned that despite everything, when she got off the plane, she kept wagging her tail. I said to myself, it's her. She's coming to my place. <laughs> we had a phone interview, an in-person interview, and the shelter finally allowed us to adopt Faith. Two years later, I separated, I guess, from her significant other and kept packing and faith in the house. So it was in their company and under the gaze, surely amused, that I learned to become independent, to take my life back in hand, to try to repair something in the house, only to damage it even more. My father passed away. My mother had cancer. My years alone with those dogs have not been easy for me in terms of trials, but their presence has always been my constant and more than often only my source of happiness. Rain or shine, they were there without judgment, just being there with their pure and good love. Staying with them rather than going out to see people was always my first choice. I like to say that over the years, we have managed to create a cocoon of happiness, a little corner of paradise. It was sweet and good to live with my two favorite people, and I would have prolonged that forever. Unfortunately, Packin develops other health problems, started fainting, and in 2018, after several examinations, consultation with specialists, my veterinarian told me that Packin had a heart disease and that expensive medica medication to which other equally cost medications would gradually be added could help him and give him a quality of life. But at best, I've had hope for one and a half years more of life. It obviously demolished me, but I gave the drugs and those who came after as well as the treatments. At the end of his life, for the last 10 months, essential medications for his heart caused him to retain water. So he had to go every month to have water removed from his abdomen with a syringe. Uh, in addition, I gave him about 15 tablets a day including those that suppress appetite, those that stimulate appetite, those that relieve heartburn caused by, by certain drugs, and those that remove nausea from other drugs. Despite everything, the last few months, Pepin lost weight, didn't eat much anymore. But I think the fear of losing him prevented me from seeing the reality, although my vet had already told me that I was doing a lot and even enough and that I would not prevent the outcome, but I really persisted until I had to face the facts in June 2020. But again, I postponed. My veterinarian was kind enough to come to the house so that he could leave in peace. But I had the cowardice to cancel twice before resigning myself on June 12th to let him go. As much as I had ever known such a great love apart from faith, the pain was great. The one and only light in all of this has been faith. Faith and her inexhaustible joy de verve, de verve, de verve? Um, her constant wagging tail that she was. Our French is far worse than her English. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry about that. But, um, she her tail wags. Her so English hard. is actually really great. I think. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, so hard. It made me tell her that she was going to end up having chronic lumbago or eventually lift off like a helicopter. 
Faith, who was in a way very patient during the last months of Patkin's life, were, um, was very patient because she was devoted. She devoted much more attention to him than to her, who was so undemanding and always giving. Faith, who forced me to get out of my pain and not sink into it with just her presence. Petting her is the greatest source of comfort in the world, especially her who had the softest hair, perhaps due to her quasi-polar uh, origins. She was losing her hair at lightning speed, so I almost suspect that it renewed every day, and that explains how her hair was so soft. So from my first months alone with Faith, we resumed habits of life worthy for her and all her energy. I took her running in the field every morning. I took her when I went to visit. She was so social. She never played with a ball or with toys, but her game was to be petted and everyone who saw her was quick to respond to her requirement. And this is not to brag, but my God, she was beautiful. And she is. Um, it's not just me with my mother's eyes who says it. I was stopped by strangers on a walk to tell me that my dog is so beautiful. The phrase I've been told most after what happened to her eye is, your dog is really beautiful. But she wasn't just beautiful on the outside. She was most um, she was most gorgeous on the inside. Her past left with her, her no scars other than physical, and her personality was just kindness, positivity, and gentleness. And thanks to COVID, the work from home that I'm lucky to have continued afterwards to this day, Faith, Faith was never alone for long five-day weeks. I was with her almost nonstop. My boyfriend came to my house instead of me going to his, and Faith won a brother in that deal because my boyfriend had um, a 10-year-old son who was just in love with her. Whenever he was with us, he was glued to her, and she received even more love and attention. As far as her health was concerned, apart from an onset of arthritis, which it did not seem to be of concern, she was in good shape. But in January 2022, she had a neurological episode. For three days, unable to stand up, walk straight, when she was standing, she turned on her own, had her head tilt, um, etc. I had to barricade the house so she wouldn't hurt herself or fall down the stairs, and I stayed by her 24-7 to help her if needed. After these three days, she started to get better, but never came back 100%. I never knew exactly what she had, since as my vet had told me, considering that it was obviously neurologic, uh, the options were stroke, old dog syndrome, um, or mass in the brain. The symptoms also did not correspond to a stroke, which left a mass in the brain. She explained to me that the option, therefore, was to see a neurologist for a scan. That said, knowing that first to do the scan, she had to be asleep with the possibility of waking up, or even worse, or if she was at the time due to her episode, being very weak without balance, and that regardless of the result of the scan, given her age, there would be no possibility of doing surgery. So virtually the scan was not, it would not be solve the problem or would it be a solution? I digress to say that in the months following Packin's death, I began to realize that I had probably waited too long. Seeing pictures of him in his last days and even six months makes me feel uneasy and almost ashamed that I put him through this. I specify all the same that he was not in pain, but certainly uncomfortable and therefore did not have so much quality of life. Over time, I realized that my feelings of unease probably came from the fact that once, I, once the raw emotion of mourning passed, 
I see with more objective eyes how he was at the moment and that I had acted very selfishly in keeping him for so long. I realized that in the end, these last few months that I had stretched and imposed on him didn't change anything in, in the big picture of almost 14 years together and that it wasn't worth having a few additional months when we had benefited so much, um, especially if, in addition, it is was at the expense of packing. It must therefore be understood that this is the feeling that I had in mind when it came to the question of the scan for faith. I told myself that I was going to at least learn from my mistakes and that I was not going to impose on her an exam for which she had to be asleep just so I had an answer, especially since nothing could be done about that answer. My vet approved of the choice. Uh, moreover, we knew that, uh, that what would follow would provide an answer or eliminate diagnoses if there was a recurrence, etc. Now, there's a whole page here, so I'm going to kind of summarize that. I mean, obviously, there were issues with faith over time. Um, she had some, some hard times walking or getting out of the house. Um, she, they, she changed where they were sleeping. Um, and even if she was wagging her tail, she had lost muscle mass, she lost her appetite a little bit. And even though the blood work was good, there were still some pretty significant, um, noticeable um, uh, problems with Faith. Um, in December, January of this year, Faith started to eat really less, sinking on her hind legs and got infections. And again, even the blood work was fine, but it really ended up that it, it was neurologic. Um, so her condition worsened. She seemed to be confused. She walked around the house like someone who paces but never landed anywhere. And when she finally tried to sit up on one of her beds, it obviously took a lot of effort and took her longer than a minute. And, um, and three quarters of the time, she would give up on the project and start pacing. So eventually... Um, that my vet told me that this and other symptoms confirmed the problem was definitely in her brain and that there were almost no options left. Um, she probably was about 12 and a half. She told me that she was not in pain due to the neurological problem, but that she no longer had the best quality of life. Um, and if I wanted to tell myself that I have I tried everything we could give her cortisone that if she indeed had a mass in the brain, it could reduce the inflammation, but not to expect miracles. Um, so the, she did st start the treatment and Faith, you know, did rebound a little bit. Um, but there were, so there were a few happy days with that. Um, so with the medication, um, Let's see, Faith, before the medication was not good, and that by dint, dint of seeing her, I had perhaps satisfied myself a less and less to find her well. In my euphoria of the moment, I promised myself that the faith I had now would, would be the minimum acceptable, and that if I came back like before, I wouldn't go as far as I had done with Packin, and that I would let go on a good note. Um, it is so easy to say that when things are going well. Eventually, she ate less, and despite the cortisone, the slumps came back, the pacing and the confusion. She didn't come back to as bad as before um, the cortisone, but not as good as her best with cortisone. So I agree with my vet that if I wanted to respect not to push her hard and not to offer her a sweet finish after good days, it was time. As my vet was kind enough to come home again so that Faith could go in her house on her bed in my arms, 
we agreed on that time in advance. We had decided this Monday, March 13th, that I would let Faith go on a Wednesday evening, the 15th. I was therefore able to savor my last moments with her, knowing that they were the last and taking advantage of the fact that she was, she was quite well and not in pain. Wednesday the 15th was the worst day for me, but a good day for Faith. I found her so good that I hesitated a long time to, uh, to cancel my vet because I was already wondering if I waited long enough, if I wasn't going too fast, if I shouldn't give the cortisone more time. But for some reason, I convinced myself that it was the right decision. I obviously talked about it with my vet, restretched uh, everything I already knew, no favorable prognosis does not suffer since the problem is not physical, but does not have the best quality of life and that it is the right decision. I therefore accompany my daughter in her last minutes on earth, petting her head while she fell asleep, telling her that I loved her more than anything in the world and thanking her so much for all that she was and that I apologize. Now the questions. Why am I apologizing? Probably for the same reason that I've been torturing myself since she left, I doubt. I feel guilty. By wanting so much not to persist and not to repeat my pack and errors, did I make a speed error? Did she get the feeling that I wanted to get rid of her? That I didn't want to investigate her problems like I did her brother and therefore didn't love her as much? That she wasn't worth the scan? To at least make sure what the name of her problem was? I know her problem, whatever it was, was not treatable. But was that really the case? Who can tell since I haven't investigated and our conclusions are based on our response to cortisone? And if our answers are based on the positive reaction to cortisone, why is it that the first signs uh, that the effect of the cortisone was diminishing, I quickly made my decision. But despite everything, she still had good days and probably a potential for other good days that I feel I have stolen from her. But even more, I would like to know where she is. I don't believe in God in heaven, but since Packin left and even more since Faith left, I desperately need to know if she's okay, even if she's not with me. Did she know where to go? Has she found her brother? Does she wake her tail now? I ask these questions on a loop to whoever will listen to me in the hope that someone will provide me with a credible answer that yes, she is okay. She is at peace. They are together and waiting for me. I would give anything to see her again. I am unable to move on without faith, and I'm looking for confirmation that we will meet again. I hit every second of my life without her. It has only been 48 hours. I don't want to keep going without her. I don't want to hurt myself. Um, but I feel that she clearly was the, the beauty and the good in my life, my reason to live and breathe. I know everything is dark and ugly. Crying and looking at pictures of faith are the only thing I have an interest in doing. I know hate the house because it's so empty, but since it's faith's health, I feel anxious just at the thought of going outside and leaving the house for five minutes. I really feel I can only endure what's next if I know and I'm sure I will see her again. I miss her so much. I can't even find the words. Do you know where and how I can get my answers? And thank you in advance, so sorry for the long email. I tried to keep only what was necessary to understand. I feel everything is important. She meant the world for me. I love her so much and miss her so much. I'm stopping now. I could repeat this over and over again. Okay. So, uh, it, first of all, 
there's no need to apologize for the writing now. The, no. the writing, writing a note like that is therapeutic. Yes. And we are happy to receive it. And we may edit or, or skip around a bit depending on the time element. But we have absolutely no complaints about you yeah. sending a very long note. And what I think I take away right off the bat from what Marie France wrote is it's an example of what grief looks like that you just have so many questions and so much uncertainty. And she said something like, I asked the same questions over and over again to whoever will be near me basically. And that is what we do. I mean, that's part we have to keep like doing it over over and over again, over and over Mm -hmm. and over again. And eventually it it's less raw but she, she wrote, why am I apologizing? And when, when I thought, when I heard that question, what I thought is we apologize for so many things. One, one reason being that we feel responsible for every single little aspect of our pets' lives. That's right. In large measure, we are managing every little aspect of their lives. And so we, we get to a place sometimes where we feel like, it's hard to imagine that they're actually going to die. Right. And that if, and when that happens that somehow we shouldn't be able to prevent it. And of course right. we can't, we cannot prevent that. We can't control everything. And in, in Marie Francis case, she also revisited the earlier death of Packin and she felt like she kept that friend alive too long, too long. Right. Which is, which is the, the thing about that is that we tend to torture ourselves. Yes. And when I heard that story, I'm like, I don't think she kept him alive too long. I think that that's just one of the ways that grief operates, that we come back and we have all these recriminations and right. work it through over and over and over again. I'm sure at the time it made sense emotionally and logically to continue with the course of treatment that they were involved with and that after the fact of course and one of the things that i think also is after the fact you can look at pictures and you can see the decline but that doesn't mean that that this animal was in agony it doesn't mean that's that right you made misjudgments it, it's just it's just that you can see now reflecting that their condition was deteriorating right and and that so i i, I hope that she's able to to not feel so pained about that and saying that i know that it's not you know it's not likely gonna change because she'll get to a place of calm and accepting that she'd made the right choices eventually as we all do the guilt is the hardest the really the hardest emotion that we work through in grief because look i mean Marie France, I mean, she moved to a home for Packin that was perfect for Packin, okay? And then she did everything possible for Packin and everything possible for Faith. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. And, and then she asked, did she think I wanted to get rid of her? Again, this is what grief does. It, it just rips us apart. It's, a, you know, that, like you're saying, the feeling of guilt. And of course, not for a second would Faith have felt like no. Marie France was trying to get rid of her. I mean, she no. loved her passionately and took such great care of her. No. 
and gave her a very special exit as well, a very comfortable ending. Yeah. Again, just like with Packard, very well thought out, very much done in consultation with a vet whom she trusted. So she did all the right things. And then just as an example of the way grief operates, she still wonders, did Faith think I wanted to get rid of her? That's what we do. Yeah, we beat ourselves up pretty badly. Yeah, the most the, the the most conscientious among us often are the most self Hard on ourselves. <laughs> like we just torture ourselves. And so she she did all the right things. And Absolutely. she also asked like the existential questions like, is Faith with her brother? Yeah. Is she happy? Do you know where she is? And of course. We don't know any of those things. We we what we do is we find ways to live with that uncertainty, right? I mean that's that's what we do. We find ways to live with the the fact that we don't know where she, where anybody goes when they're gone. You may have a faith that that provides you with certainty, but that's not Marie France's way of living. That's not the way she organizes her spirituality, and so. She, what she will do is is what many many people do, which is she'll she'll find ways to live alongside the questions. Is the way that I think about it. And also, if she does some research, and we've had um, episodes, um, our podcast episodes about you know the signs, signs mm-hmm. of our our animals mm-hmm. around us, or mm-hmm. what she may feel or not feel. It doesn't really have to do with God or, or heaven. What it has to do is how you feel spiritually. I mean, an animal communicators could may tell you that they are in spirit around us, mm-hmm. and so if that creates her Marie France, too, if you want to research that, maybe that will make you feel a little better. Although. As Ken says, we don't really have exact answers. We're not going to have absolute certainty about unless unless you. Some people do feel like they have absolute mm-hmm. certainty, and that's. But the, people are very very individual in that in that way, and so. But she'll she'll always carry faith in her heart. I mean, that's and Packin, oh, both of and them, Packin, they're nestled and, in there, and and in her, the beautiful images that she sent mm-hmm. us and the stories that she shares mm-hmm. with people. So we thank her very much. We oh, thank yes. Marie France very much for thank sharing you. with us. And let's move on to Rupa and sure. Kiki. And this is a rather short note, but it's it's very poignant in in the, you, you'll see in the story that she tells. It's one we've, we've heard a, a few times and everybody tells it in their own way. So, Ken, I just needed to tell someone about our amazing Bichon Frise, Kiki. Even writing this has helped so much. We hear that a lot. And you yep. know, if you write to us, that can help. If you write in a journal, that can help. If you write in poetry or you do any any kind of writing, if to that, move it out of you to do that, it can mm-hmm. help you. Thank you and Nancy for everything you do. It helps more than you know. We lost our Bichon Frise. Am I saying that correctly? Yes. I'm just going to say Bichon from now on. Kiki at age 16 on February 28th, 2023. Her death is so painfully fresh and it feels like I'll always have a Bichon shaped hole in my heart. Mm-hmm. Since, the, since the eighth grade, Kiki has been by my side. I'm now 30 and married. 
Just imagine all the good times this little cotton ball has accompanied me through. Over the past few years, however, she struggled with her health. My parents, who are in their early 70s and have always kept Kiki, tried to look on the bright side. When she wasn't sleeping, which was rare, they would say, look, Kiki's up and walking around. While she sometimes had bursts of energy, it became apparent she was slowing down, but she continued to fight. She kept me company when I moved back home after college. She kept my dad company when my mom came out of retirement to work full time. She even entertained my rescue rescue pit mix Gemini, who she reluctantly accepted as part of the family. Reluctantly <laughs> here's Kiki. Oh, here's so cute. Jemmy. And Kiki. <laughs> so nice. In late February, part of my parents' home burned down. Fortunately, oh. my parents and Kiki were able to eva evacuate safely. They stayed in a hotel while insurance was figuring out what to do. After one week in the hotel room, Kiki shrieked in pain while eating. My parents rushed her to the animal clinic. She passed away 10 minutes later oh. while my dad was touching her toes. Something Which she, she never, never allowed right? anyone do before. My parents told me that evening when I was at home snuggling Gemini, my immediate response was to be upset and full of regret. When was the last time I saw her? It had been two yeah. weeks. What was I thinking? Why didn't I stop by and say hi? I'm in the process of learning to forgive myself. Mm -hmm. Good. That's good. <laughs> Kiki was with me through it all, through high school drama, college, my engagement, wedding, first home, etc. I'm grateful she passed away at a neutral place with my parents whose love for her spanned a couple decades. Mm -hmm. Also, with all the work that was needed on their house, it's a blessing they were at the hotel and she didn't have to die alone. Kiki was always sassy. So I think she said, I'm way too fancy for a Hampton Inn. You guys have fun with this mess. <laughs> Kiki is my first huge loss. Yeah. I not only mourn her, it, but I mourn the seasons of life when she was there. That's very poignant the way she yeah. said it. The summers in our old home, being awoken to birds, singing and Kiki on my bed, the beautiful week of sunshine leading up to my wedding, Kiki sunbathing in the foyer, movie night with my parents and Kiki between my dad and I. She has left a huge hole, but mm -hmm. has also left me with lessons to never take loved ones for granted, to always make time to see them, to never say something you might regret, regret. And to always say I love you before departing each time. Oh, that's beautiful. Really, really beautiful. Ooh, that's beautiful. And also, so, you know, even with Marie France, right, the same thing. These connections, our experience with our loved ones, going through all of those things, deaths and loss and moves and, and you know, different family situations or... It's just amazing that that is the constant, right? That relationship yeah. is the constant that soothes yeah, and, very and soothing. soothing and calming and loving and caring. There's nothing like it. Yeah. Right? And as she said, all the seasons that she was there, yeah. and all the images beautiful. that she that she describes. It, beautiful. It really is beautiful. So we thank Rupa mm -hmm. for sharing her story of Kiki and also for sharing pictures of Kiki and Jemmy. Oh yes, Jemmy. <laughs> and nice. so we'll wrap up there and thank you, Marie France. And thank you mm -hmm. again, Rupa and, and Nancy, as always, it's great. It's great having these it's conversations. Great. It always is. Ken. 
Take care.